Hello and welcome to episode 10 of A Kilo of String, my podcast series about what life is really like in Greece, at least from the point of view of one British expat, me. This episode is especially for listeners who have no interest whatsoever in Greek politics. Not because I've lost interest myself, certainly not, but because, politically speaking, very little has happened here in the last couple of weeks. The Greek government passed even more measures to cut jobs, pensions, wages and labour rights to satisfy the IMF and its masters in Europe that it is worthy of receiving yet more loans so it can pay back its previous loans and keep the banks happy. But that's about it, really. So instead of politics, this. We're off to pick some olives, the wonderful olives of Greece. I say, Maria, what an absolutely splendid olive on this tree here. Gosh, Dimitri, you're right. It's an absolute corker. We'll have that one then, I think. There we are, old girl. Pop him in the basket with the others. Righto. How many does that make? Ah, uh, twelve altogether. And every one of them an absolute beauty, wouldn't you agree, Dimitri? I would indeed, my dear. And not a bad day's haul, if I say so myself. Not bad at all. But I must say I'm rather pooped after all that olive collecting. You know, I think we both deserve a jolly good G&T on the terrace after all that hard work. What do you say? Oh, rather. Come on, then. Off we pop. We're off to pick some olives, the wonderful olives of Greece. La 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 Yes, indeed. It's November in Greece, and that can only mean one thing. It's olive harvest time. A time when young couples skip hand in hand through the olive groves, selecting an olive here, an olive there, and all the while singing their cheery olive-picking songs, rejoicing in the mellow fruitfulness of this idyllic season and giving thanks for all the... Whilst this may be some people's idea of what the olive harvest is like, the reality is much more like this. Yes, the unmistakable sounds of chainsaws, whacking trees with sticks. Excuse me a minute. Right, that's better. As I was saying, the unmistakable sounds of chainsaws, whacking trees with sticks and undeleted expletives. Not exactly music to most people's ears, and certainly not to mine. We're currently about halfway through our own olive harvest, our ninth so far, and I dread the thought more and more every year. Now I know what to expect, the dread begins earlier and earlier. This time the night sweats started as early as the middle of June. So why exactly did we buy somewhere with 400 olive trees in the first place? Good question. When we first went to see the estate, as the agent's blurb so grandly put it, Penny immediately fell in love with the amazing views of sea, mountains and hills. Me, being a bloke and therefore not prone to falling in love with views of any description, even I had to admit that they were pretty impressive. 
but also being a bloke, I focused in on the practical issue of what we were going to do with 400 olive trees. What are we going to do with 400 olive trees, I said. 420, corrected the estate agent who was showing us round. Then he beamed with what seemed to be perfectly genuine enthusiasm. This area of Greece, best olive oil in the world. But we don't know the first thing about growing olives, I said, wondering if the cultivation methods were anything like growing very, very large broccoli plants. It's not exactly rocket science, said the agent, or some cliché to that effect. You'll soon pick it up. In hindsight, and with nearly nine years' experience as a reluctant olive farmer, I have to grudgingly admit that, unusually for an estate agent, he was actually telling the truth. There really isn't anything complicated about growing olives. However, and this is a big however, it does involve periods of sheer bloody hard work and mind-numbing tedium to boot. This is particularly true of the olive harvest itself, and for those who've never witnessed or taken part in one, this is what you do. 1. Place large nets on the ground under the trees. 2. Whack hell out of the trees so that the olives fall onto the nets. 3. Cut out some of the branches as you go. 4. Transfer the olives from the nets into sacks. 5. Send the sacks to the olive press. All sounds straightforward enough, doesn't it? But don't be fooled. The olive harvest is in reality an activity which should be registered with the Dangerous Sports Association. Take last year's harvest, for instance. On the very first day I had to go to the local hospital because I had a fragment of olive leaf lodged in my eye from looking up into a tree whilst bashing it with my stick. This meant that I had to wear an eye patch for the next 24 hours, which seriously affected my whacking aim. Not long afterwards, I almost took my leg off with a chainsaw. OK, I only ended up with a tear in my jeans and a slight scratch, but it could have been much, much worse. I've pulled various muscles from lifting olive sacks and slipping on greasy olive nets, and it sometimes takes about eight months to recover from olive harvester's elbow. In both elbows, I might add. I've had numerous cuts, grazes and bruises from falling out of olive trees, and I've suffered mild concussion on several occasions from bashing my head on an overhanging branch. Combine all this with the detrimental effect on my liver, caused by having to consume vast amounts of alcohol every night to ease the pain, and you'll understand why I believe olive harvesting is far more dangerous than jumping the Grand Canyon with jet-propelled roller skates during an electrical storm whilst doused in petrol and with a metal plate in your head. This is why I sometimes wonder if Vasilis had been right after all. Vasilis was, and probably still is, an architect-stroke-builder over on the Mani, which you may recall from an earlier podcast, is the middle of the three peninsulas at the bottom of Greece and is where we rented a house when we first came here. In fact, it was Vasilis who designed and built it. The house, that is, and not the Mani Peninsula. And we were really impressed, although not nearly as impressed as we would have been if he had designed and built the Mani Peninsula. Anyway, he'd bought up several plots of land in the area 
and offered to show us a few of them with a view to building us a house on any one we liked. This was after we'd seen Xerica, the name of the place with all the olive trees that we eventually bought, but we accepted his invitation when he mentioned buying us lunch during the tour. Some of the plots he showed us were certainly very tempting, but Penny and I were adamant that it would take somewhere pretty special to lure us away from Xerica, and we told Vasilis so over our free lunch. It's near a place called Kiparasia, I said. Kiparasia, he said, almost choking on his calamari. Kiparasia? He repeated the name syllable by syllable, as if we just told him we wanted to live next to a nuclear power station less than a kilometre downwind from a major sewage farm. Kiparasia, yes, do you know it? Know it? Of course I know it. The place is full of inbred idiot farmers who spend their days clogging up the roads with their clapped-out old tractors and only taking time out now and again when they feel like shagging a goat. Or a donkey, he added with heavy and portentous emphasis. Actually, I may not have quoted him exactly there, but he was clearly not enamoured of the life agricultural, nor Kiparasia in particular. Why you want to live in such a place? You want to break your backs growing olives the rest of your lives? No, my friends, you buy one of my plots, I build you a beautiful house and a couple of holiday bungalows, more if you can afford it, and you sit back in the sun, sipping your ice-cold beers by the pool, and watch the money roll in. Even now, as I stare up into yet another olive tree, stretching to reach that last bunch of olives which are just out of range, and cursing the pain which throbs through each elbow with every bash of my bashing stick, I wonder whether we should have followed his advice. Sitting by a pool, sipping beer and watching the money roll in, sounds pretty good by comparison. As well as the aforementioned physical danger of olive harvesting, there's also the serious risk of the total disintegration of relationships. Penny and I have exactly the same argument every harvest, on an almost daily and sometimes hourly basis. Okay, she'll say, this tree's done, next one. But there's more olives up there than you could shake a stick at, I say with heavy irony. There's about twelve, she says. Couple more bashes, that's all, I say. We don't have the time, she says. At about this point in the conversation, Penny usually accuses me of being anally retentive, I then retaliate by telling her she's slapdash and wasteful, and then we end up not speaking for hours. Incidentally, why is it that air-headed, disorganised people always accuse efficient and well-organised people of being anally retentive? Although I'm generally in favour of preserving traditional farming methods, and I'm totally against the idea of genetically modifying crops, or anything else for that matter, when it comes to olive trees, I would be prepared to make an exception. A friend and I discussed this recently, and decided that it shouldn't be beyond the wit of some scientist or other to design the GM self-harvesting olives. This would be achieved by equipping each olive with its own tiny machete, which it would use to cut through its stalk and detach itself from the tree. It could also have a mini parachute, so that the fruit wouldn't be bruised when it hit the ground, as well as little legs to enable it to walk to the nearest sack and climb into it. Until that glorious day comes, however, 
I will have to endure several months of nightmares about the impending harvest, and then the pure hell of the harvest itself. I once read that in ancient times, only virgins and young men sworn to chastity were allowed to harvest the trees. Oh, if only I had been an olive farmer in those days, I'd have had every excuse I could possibly wish for. By the way, for all those friends and relatives in Britain who'd been promising for so long that they'd come out and help with our olive harvest sometime, and haven't yet made it, I'm just kidding. Honest, you'll love it. And speaking of which, I've probably skived off long enough to come and record this podcast. Time to get back to some serious tree-whacking. Only another two hundred left to go. Let joy be unconfined. On second thoughts, perhaps I'll just go and eat my own face instead. But just before I do go, a quick reminder that the theme music I'm using for these podcasts is by a five-piece Greek band called Stravili. You can listen to two of their complete tracks by following the link on my website at rob-johnson.org.uk While you're there, you can also subscribe to these podcasts, free of charge, and why not leave a comment while you're at it. Many thanks for listening, and until next time, cheers! Please note that a lot of olive trees were harmed during the making of this podcast.